This is your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. Every weekday, this is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Top story is Joe Biden, on the eve, last night I guess it was, of the New Hampshire primary, decides to leave and go to South Carolina to get a jump start on that primary, which isn't until February 29th. So he's abandoning ship in a public way, and I think this plays right in with my sense that he that all of this impeachment stuff, running for president, everything, was because, I don't know if it was because of Peter Schweitzer's book in 2017 or what, but that there was a scandal brewing about his involvement in Ukraine and China and how he and his family would profit probably to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars And he needed to just pull all the direction away from that, inoculate the public from any hint of scandal or any expectation of an investigation. His job is done. He's walking away. That's my feeling. That's actually exactly what I was thinking, too, that his job is done, that he agreed to do whatever it is he needed to do. And now all the attention is off him, and and that's going to be buried forever. I hope it's not. I hope they investigate it. i got to wonder. Biden was not a good candidate, but look at this field. I mean, who's going to be the nominee? Bernie Sanders, Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg? I don't know, but if if you ever wanted to lose on purpose or feed the what is the gun rights activists arguments, this is the quote I was telling you about for Joe Biden the other day. It said he said this was on Sunday. He said, those who say the tree of liberty is watered with the blood of patriots, and I believe those are Thomas Jefferson and people who quote Thomas Jefferson, uh, a great line. Well, guess what? The fact is, if you're going to take on the government, you need an F-15 with Hellfire missiles. There is no way an AK-47 is going to take care of you. That's what that's what I say. That's what you say, yeah. (laughs) That's exactly what I say. I'm like, yes, we need tanks, we need rocket launchers. If you got them, we need them. We actually need more than you because you're there as an extension to our right of self defense, and there should be no chance that you use our right of self defense against us. And this also folds right into a line that Bloomberg used. Bloomberg Bloomberg could be the nominee for all we know. Well, I assume he will be. I mean, that's my bet. Yeah. So he, that or Mayor Pete, but I assume it's going to be. Or a, wild, or a wild card gets in. I, I mean, Stacey Abrams is always a possibility, but I think, I don't know. I mean, when Chris Todd or whatever that guy's name is on CNN said, whatever. Some guy whose I think last name is Todd on some Chuck left-leaning. Todd. Yeah, there it is. Chuck Todd. Not Chris Dodd, who uh, <laughs> was a Connecticut uh, congressman or a senator. Uh, okay, so when he called it for Bloomberg, I thought that guy probably knows what he's saying. And this is whatever. I see that Bloomberg thing as being two oligarchs, blah, blah, blah. Money buys it. The system is broken, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. That's Bloomberg. But there was a, uh, a scandal broke about Bloomberg yesterday. When I heard it reported in the context of an unknown podcaster who was quoted by name as revealing this, playing this uh, speech that was already on YouTube for 
for like five years already. Yeah. You and I both know that mainstream media does not cite the little guy by name since no. you revealed the Stacey Abrams flag thing and the New York Times said it emerged on social media. Yeah. You it- found it. You revealed it on mainstream media. Mm-hmm. And there's no question about that. And if they wanted to know that or report that, they could have. So this whole like timing and style of the Bloomberg scandal, it's very interesting. I went back to it's it revolves around a speech he made to the Aspen Institute. The Aspen Institute is like the Brookings Institute or the CFR World Economic Forum. They're all they're all the the shadow world government. Yeah, They're they, the ones who are yeah. pu- pulling all the power up to the They top. send me the five best ideas they have every morning, and they're all very, Every morning? Every wow. morning they I get their five. five best ideas. I think they only have like one idea, <laughs> and it's been the same idea the whole time, just like the World Economic Forum. It's like all the power and money go to the top. It's related to that, the ideas generally. Yes. So he wrote this article. Uh, he made this speech, uh, and it was – It's been on YouTube for five years, so this is not like a reveal. This isn't like you, what you did to find that Stacey Abrams thing. So what that speech made headlines a while back. For some reason, I can't remember. I have to go re-listen to the speech, which I did not have a chance to do. But there are a lot of quotes coming out of this speech that, like, he's this huge racist. And there are a few things that I found interesting about that. But also, as I began to listen to the speech, there's something that nobody's talking about, which folds into... An item I had on my short list for yesterday and was going to bring today about the election thing is weirdly spot on with the opening remarks of Bloomberg in this speech. So let me tell you the stuff that people know about, and then I'll tell you this thing and how it relates to a trend I was about to predict anyway. So they're saying Bloomberg is a total racist because he was talking about how you put all the cops in the minority areas and what he was saying, and there was uh, an analysis by John Lott, who I really like. He wrote More Guns, Less Crime, which is a good book. He he kind of picked apart a little bit the the scandalous quotes of Bloomberg. Bloomberg was like 95% of all murderers and, and murder victims are minority males between like 18 and 24, something like that. And he said, if you just, you could just do a sketch of that guy and hand it to all the cops and he's the guy they're looking for. I mean, it's just- That's the audio? I hadn't heard it yet, yeah. So, uh, you know, I didn't, it's over an hour long speech. So I'm taking for their word when they put it in quotes that that is what he said. I didn't hear it myself yet, but those are the quotes I'm reading that he said. And Lot is pulling it apart because he's like, that's just not true. It's not 95%. It's more like- maybe half or two thirds, something like that. And that you just can't do that because then you eliminate, uh, you demonize a lot of minorities and you let go uh, a lot of other people who are committing these crimes. But what I found really interesting, two things. One was that what Bloomberg said was the reason that there's a disproportionate amount of arrests of minorities for the same crimes is that he, for one, put all the cops in minority neighborhoods. So they're, all the cops are there. That's why those are the people who are getting arrested. I found that interesting because it's just a set, it's just a fact. You know what I mean? It's like it, it's maybe it's racist to put all the cops in the in the minority communities. He was saying you don't like spread cops around. You put them all in minority communities because that's where the crimes are. And then 
as a consequence, only minorities get arrested. So I just thought it, it didn't have to be a racist comment. It could just be what's called a positive comment, not a normative comment, that it wasn't him making a judgment call, it was him making a statement. But of course, you can't ever make statements like that, as you know we've talked about before. It doesn't work like that. But then the other thing was that he said, this is, a, this is, again, it was written in quotes, so I assume he said it. This is what he said, and this, to me, like made my blood run cold. He said, you've got to get the guns out of the hands of the people that are getting killed. First of all, I hate that grammar. It's people who are getting killed. But he said the people that are getting killed. Don't get your hand. He's saying get the hands out of the guns of the people who are getting killed. I mean, that's the opposite of what you want. What you want is to, I mean, I get what he's saying. He's saying the people who are killing and the people who are getting killed are the same people in the same communities. But he's saying if you get little kids who are running drugs and you stop and frisk them, throw them up against the wall, it's not like they're not going to have a gun. They're just not going to take it with them. And I'm thinking those little kids are the ones who are using it for self-defense. They're not the hitmen. They're the runners. Like they're the ones, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. but he doesn't care. I'm just, whatever. So uh, I thought that was all very interesting. So he wants to give, like, full power to the police, like, unlimited Well, he's almost. a fascist. I mean, he was in New York. I mean, he was a complete fascist. He would railroad rules that couldn't get – laws that couldn't get passed by the legislature. He would just railroad them, make them, like, the equivalence of an executive yeah. order. So if he was if, bad If he's it. pro stop and frisk and he's also pro take all he the guns away, it. then that is – unlimited power to the state is what he's promoting to yes. the police which those yes. on the left or progressives are kind of anti-police yet he might emerge as their candidate i think the days of ideology on left and right are gone you cannot depend on the yeah the i know li- liberal liberals i just anymore. imagine an antifa guy wearing one of those masks standing in line to vote for bloomberg yeah i think that is a setup in itself. But uh, the thing that he said in the in this speech that I found interesting was that I thought was nobody's talking about except for I, heard, I, I tweeted the other day, James Carville said this. He said, it's not right that something like 40% of the power in the Senate represents only 18% of the population. And I didn't understand because it was in the context of Iowa if he was saying, like, people don't go out and vote, there's low voter turnout. And then I realized that what he was saying was that the way we elect senators, each state gets two senators. So underrepresented states, like low population states, get as many representatives as high population states. Whereas Congress has, you have many, many more congressmen. You have congressmen based on population. And it's meant to, so that, that that the minority and regionally, which is also like economically, culturally, whatever, can't get railroaded by the population center, which is exactly how the Civil War started, is that the people who were running textile mills outnumbered the people who were running farms. And they used their power against it, and then the farmers, you know, whatever. We could talk about race and slavery, <laughs> all that kind of stuff, but the fact is that is a part of what happened, if not the main, you know, to me, it's always about money, I think. But so Carville said that, and and here is Bloomberg opening this speech five years ago, this speech that is now getting trotted out for all to hear. 
for some reason that in the beginning of this speech, he says that there, there is no, that there are two ways that legislatures get established, elected, whatever. There's the geographical representation and there's the population-based representation. And in a house, in a cameral body, whatever that has a geographical representation, you get some resources diverted to not help the most amount of people. He said it's in the Constitution and you can't do anything about that without changing the Constitution. But why ever on a state or local level they would ever have bicameral bodies that like balance geographic interests with population density, he doesn't understand and we need to do away with that. I haven't heard anyone ever talk about that, although I could see it coming because the way they're talking, because the Electoral College is exactly that. It's a way of kind of making sure that your region can represent your majority, not just fold in with the majority of the rest of the country. So I kind of expected that. It makes sense. It goes towards that pure populism, whatever. It's a recipe for civil war. These guys are working on it pretty hard. And I just, I I think we're going to see more of that. This idea that geographic weighting is inherently unfair because it doesn't have like the one person, one vote feel. It's going to go hand in hand with trying to get rid of the electoral college in, in um, favor of the popular vote, having a national election. And that, oh, that folds in with an article I read in the Wall Street Journal on Saturday which said the problem with the elections is what's happening in Iowa, which is incompetence. Now, two things. So they say because of incompetence, what you need is a national electoral system. Now, if the problem is incompetence, then maybe that is what you need. But it's not. The problem is corruption, which would be made worse by a centralized national body. And they completely ignore the fact and actually cite falsely like Brian Kemp in 2016, but they ignore, they act like Iowa was incompetence. When you and I both read that Reed Hoffman was behind not only the new knowledge of subverting democracy in the Alabama race against Roy Moore, but he funded Acronym, which is a parent, sister, or funder or whatever of Shadow Inc., which put that uh, app that that gave the impression to people that Iowa was incompetent and not sabotage, but it was it was sabotage. I mean, if I mean Reed Hoffman who runs LinkedIn, surely those people aren't incompetent. It's sabotage. It would seem to be intentional. The plan, from the way that I see it, based on the fact that this guy's done similar thing before. Yeah, right. absolutely. In the same way, with the same. Convoluted... It's called Shadow Inc. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Right. Right. And the, and the woman who he funds through acronym, somebody that he's had a relationship with in the past, her husband is a high ranking Mayor Pete guy. So Mayor Pete benefited from this weirdness, supposedly, you know, so they're throwing all that as if there is partisanship there. But I think it's not it's somewhat partisanship. But really, the bigger picture here is totally changing how elections work by yeah. demonstrating that they're broken and that the new world with technology needs a new system, such as uniform voting machines and everything. But when you make things uniform, you make them that you can easily control them with very few people knowing how 
Very few people have to get involved. If, if all the systems are regular, one guy knows how to solve every problem with every voting machine. If you have a bunch of different ones, you have to go at the local level, which is how the they tried, the Republicans tried to steal Ohio, did steal Ohio, I think, for Bush against Kerry. And one of the guys they asked to help fix the machine blew the whistle. And you have to ask guys to help you fix the machines when they're different on the local level. So if it's incompetence, that's one thing. But if it's corruption, you do not want it to be centralized. Yeah, the more connected the world gets through the Internet and everything, the increase for the demand for a centralized just global government and global operations for everything is going to become because it's going to be inevitable as we allow ourselves to be uh, um, assimilated into the Borg is the way that I would. It's, but if you read that, I'm reading that Rosa Quar book uh, behind the green mask and I've seen her interviews and stuff. And what she says is in order to have the world government, they need to regularize the system. So they're putting that sustainability and they're doing all that stuff in order to make everything kind of modular where it plugs in so that the first step is to make it all modular and the last step is that turnkey moment when it all plugs in. A modular to the is Borg. Uh, a module, like like, like, like self sustaining you know, little module that can be plugged into no, a bigger system. It doesn't system. have to be self sustaining, but like if you get um, a caddy, like a cubby system for your shoes at Target, you can buy one unit or you can buy ten units, okay. and they're they're modules. They just plug into ah, each other. You can make it bigger or smaller or whatever, but they are they're all uniform, and they all plug in. So. Yeah. If you did that to every city, if you did that to every voting machine, if you did it to every power grid, if you did it to every school, if you did it to every system and every system worked exactly the same way, you could make a change to that system from the top that would flow throughout the system yeah. without any, without having to get buy-in at the local level, without having to have anybody help you conform to your policy goal. And you could, you could make up a policy goal. You can make something up and say, oh, we have to make this change because not knowing full well what the, quote, unintended consequences would be, which are really the intended consequences. Surveillance, no cars, taking people away from being able to grow their own food. I mean, a lot of these things are part of early UN goals, stated goals that they couldn't get through a straightforward approach. So they just put it, put it as, a, like I was saying with Bloomberg, this is an example of what he did. Giuliani kept trying to get like smoking banned or, or maybe it was just Bloomberg tried to get smoking banned. Giuliani started it. He couldn't get it done. They would not pass it in the legislature. So he made it a health and safety regulation and he fined the bars for not enforcing it themselves. But he said it was for the health of the workers. It wasn't. He wanted to ban smoking. He didn't smoke. He didn't like it in the restaurants. He wanted it out. Yeah. But he did it without the legislative process, and it went over without a bubble because he did it by making up some false excuse and then plugging in every single – he didn't have to have enforcement or anything. He made the people on the ground enforce it for him by just making it making it like it was just for some innocuous purpose, which it wasn't. And a lot of those bars closed down because why, why – you know – if you can't have your cigarette, you're not going to the bar. That's right. It goes hand in hand. You stay home. And then I, that's when I started drinking at home for the first <laughs> time ever. Thank you, Mayor Bloomberg. Yeah. So Mayor Pete was on State of the Union with Jake Tapper on Sunday. And what you just said a little while ago reminded me of this. 
Tapper opens up the interview. Mind you, Bernie Sanders had just been on right before him. So they have the people competing in close proximity to heighten the drama. And Tapper opens up the interview by saying, uh, Mayor Pete, welcome to the program. I'm going to play a clip of you from back in 2017 speaking about the 2016 election. And it goes to the clip. And then the clip is of Mayor Pete saying something like, I don't know about you, but I think the person who gets the most votes in the presidential race should win. <laughs> and then it comes back, and then Tapper goes over to Budovich and he says, So using the Budovich logic, did Bernie Sanders win Iowa? That was the beginning of the interview. And, and so what did Mayor Pete say? Mayor Pete goes, well, well, I mean, you know, the the purpose here was to get delegates. Which is like, really? That's an oh, admission yeah. you That's should not have made. That's the funny thing is that yeah. that is – I remember reading that to you from like a week or two ago where they talked about Iowa. And they said, well, this is how the system works and all the candidates know it. So they campaign accordingly. If you were to change the system, they would campaign differently. So you accept yes. the system. I really would like to make a special request. What? Jake Tapper has – a distinctive and profoundly annoying voice that makes it I, – I cannot understand how he is in the mainstream media except for that maybe having a really annoying voice does – gets through to people. I don't know. Condescension you, is built into the way he speaks. Could you please master the Jake Tapper uh, imitation? I can do his. Yeah, I can including practice his. the – in, you might not be physically capable. You might need like the look PG he gives to help of you. the falsetto, not the look, just that incredibly high voice. Yeah. And I think you have to tilt your head, or it doesn't work. Yeah, I can work on that one. I, I think I can when I when I hear his voice, I can do it pretty well. After gonna, yeah, it's it's pretty awful. You're not gonna nobody's gonna ask you to do it besides me because it's almost unbearable. It can be like Larry <laughs> David on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Ugh. The new season is wearing a MAGA hat in one of the episodes because he realizes that in California, if you're wearing a MAGA hat, then nobody wants to be around you. So whenever there are people who want to have meetings with him that he doesn't like, he goes to the meeting and he puts on the MAGA hat and he just sits there. And then the other people leave because they can't be around them. Trump tweeted a clip uh, from that show today of when Larry David discovered that wearing a MAGA hat is a good idea. As there's a motorcycle guy riding up, and Larry David almost cuts him off in traffic. And the guy's like, what are you doing? Yelling at him and pulls up next to him like he's going to fight him. Larry David, not knowing what to do. He, there's a MAGA hat that somebody had given him. He puts on the MAGA hat, and it's like <laughs> the, the biker goes, oh, you're one of us kind of looks. And so, oh, right. that's okay. So Trump tweeted that, tough guys for Trump. <laughs> I, I saw I, – that reminds me of uh, – well, I saw a little clip of Larry David being interviewed by somebody who I'm sure is very famous, but I didn't know who it was. And they said, you know, are you afraid that you're going to alienate people who take the MAGA hat seriously? And Larry David says – you know what? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and everybody cheered. And I was like, you know, it, and then what I tweeted, I tweeted the clip because people were all like praising him and jumping up and down, you know, clapping and cheering and retweeting and all this kind of stuff. And, I, and I, my first impression was if you, if you have a lot of money, a lot of money, and you're, you don't need anybody to do anything for you, and you're saying what everybody wants you to say, it doesn't take a lot of, quote, political courage or, yeah. quote, moral courage 
to say that. Everybody's cheering. You know what is hard to do is if you actually need your job at Starbucks and you want to say something that's true and important, like we don't let people use our bathrooms no matter what race they are if they're not buying something. If you were going to say that, you might get fired. You know, that would take a real lot of moral courage. You know, I don't know how important that is, but what if you want to say something really important? Yeah. Like, I think vaccines made my child autistic. Yeah. You know, and you get like that. It takes a lot more moral courage when you're not really freaking rich and you're not saying what everybody else is saying. Yeah. But that's funny that you say that about the MAGA hat because I just saw a video that went kind of viral of um, coughing while Asian. Oh, God. Yeah. So the guy coughs. And everybody clears out, Whoever so then he runs. gets this. Yes, yeah, so then like he's actually out of Starbucks, and he starts coughing, and everybody gets out of the line, and he's like, you know, so oh, happy, and like really? they're so, all doing it. Yeah, <laughs> so like he and like some other chick in a crowded movie theater, they're looking at each other, winking and coughing, and then like all the white people, I guess, non Asians, like now, scatter. Was this acted out, or was did they do this in real time? Were they like- it was a joke. It was a somebody did it. Okay, somebody made right. a yeah, video. Yeah. It was funny, but it was quite funny. And then yesterday, uh, I had a similar experience where this Asian chick was literally coughing in my face, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm not afraid of you, but like, give me a break. Don't cough in my face, <laughs> yeah. no matter what. Like, like anybody <laughs> coughing in my face, right? It was so crazy. It was like, why are you coughing in my face? Like, why do you not think that's <laughs> so another wrinkle to the coronavirus, and I have one thing that's interesting about the coronavirus uh, after this, is that I saw an article where it's experts fear what Trump will do, what germaphobe Trump will do with the coronavirus. I haven't looked too deeply into that theory yet, but I believe that it's he's going to overreact and he's going to just shut everything because he's such a germaphobe. This is the guy who they also think Bang sleeps Stormy with Daniels. porn yeah. stars and has prostitutes urinate on his bed. Right? I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So I was looking up some stuff about the coronavirus, and there's been some talk emerge over the past couple of days, and you brought it up yesterday about it being a bio weapon. I don't know if it's a bio weapon, whatever, but is it bio engineered by somebody? I think that that is not a ridiculous question, and the reason I, I bring that up is because suggesting that or asking that question right now gets categorized as a conspiracy theory that needs to be silenced by the social media companies. It can get you even kicked off of certain platforms if you go too deeply into that theory. That is not a stupid question to ask because they have not identified where it originated yet, and because – we have made lethal viruses like this. I think Lyme in the disease past. was a uh, a bioweapon that got out. I'm it almost, could very I mean, well. The Senate is investigating, or Congress is investigating that question in right now. 2014, the center, the CDC. There was a lot of controversy over them because they accidentally exposed lab workers to anthrax, and they shipped a deadly flu virus to a laboratory that had asked for a benign strain. That happened in the past. That was an accident. This article from 2017 talks about how if these viruses were to get out because of these mistakes that they've made, or maybe they were intentional. I don't know that the spread of it, they wouldn't know what's going to happen, and they wouldn't know how to control it. It describes very kind of like what's going on right now, at least what's being reported. But at that time, and the we have done this, we have funded a coronavirus that was carried by camels 
And we have funded what's called gain-of-function research. Gain-of-function research is scientific research, federally funded, that is intended to make pathogens more deadly and more transmissible. So we have funded the research into a coronavirus. Now, I'm not saying it's the same strain. I'm saying it, I'm sure it's a different strain. But the one that we funded successfully, we made it able, we proved that it could transfer from an animal to a person because we created one that could transfer from an animal to a person. And the idea was that, well, we wanted, to, we wanted to prove the theory that it could be dangerous, so we have to create it to show that it can transfer from an animal to a person. And the one that we created, the one that we mutated, was from – it was a coronavirus that was found in the horseshoe bat in China. And we mutated oh, that one. Oh, but this is a bat one. This is what I've heard too. I don't know how official that is, but we created one of those that could be – that at, the, at that point in time – was not transmissible from animal to human. We made one that was. So to ask the question, is it bioengineered, is not a stupid question because we do gain a function research. So does China. So does other countries. It's not a conspiracy theory. You shouldn't, it shouldn't be silenced for people asking that legitimate question. But they are using this to clamp down on conspiracy theories, among other things. Now, I don't know what's actually going on with that virus. Something's going on. I don't know. That's uh, very upsetting. I believe they do it. Uh, I also found very upsetting this little quick hit I have about Jordan Peterson. Did you hear about this? I did, but I don't know. I didn't hear the details of it. All right. So this is what I know. I followed it a little bit. There isn't a lot of information out there. But Jordan Peterson, you might recall a while back, went into rehab for benzodiazepine abuse. Do you know that's just like Xanax? Oh, Really? But it can be physically, there's a lot of them, but that's one of them. It can be physically addicting. They gave it to him for something I can't remember, but he, that's an anti-anxiety medicine. And he became dependent on it physically and mentally dependent on it when his wife got cancer, was battling cancer. And in trying to get off of it, when he went into rehab, they gave him other stuff that made it worse. So now... He's in Russia, possibly in a medically induced coma to do a cold turkey withdrawal, which they won't do here. And two things about it. One is it's a really weird story. And I have to say with Jordan Peterson, when he made the scene, I had to wonder how the heck is this guy allowed to operate? He doesn't seem like controlled opposition, yet he's saying stuff that is not okay. That, that the mainstream shouldn't allow. He doesn't bear the earmarks of somebody who, like Alex Jones, is going to make a good point and then jump up and down like a monkey to make it seem crazy. He's not like that at all. And now that he's being taken out in a really mysterious fashion, I wonder if there – I mean, I, I wasn't even going to bring that up, but as soon as I started tweeting about this, people came to me. And said, oh, JB in particular tweeted back at me like, this sounds fishy to me, like the timing of it, the manner, the story's weird. So I don't really know. Maybe he is, uh, was like kind of a setup. But I wanted to bring to everyone's attention I that saw there's... saw him in concert. Oh, you saw him in person, right? I saw right? him live, yeah. And he seemed like a sincere person, right? He did to me. I, I, think, yeah. it, I think they're all going to seem as sincere as possible. But I, he did not seem to me as someone that was... Some sort of controlled opposition, but it's hard to tell. But I thought his talk, it was great. He makes interesting Yeah, see, that's and- the thing. For me, basically 90% of the time that I think 
what the hell? You can just watch the actual content. You don't have to like yeah. do research. You can watch the content and say, okay, here's why, here's the flaw in his argument that will undermine it. You know, that will like with Biden yeah. saying that thing about the AK-47. He said that probably knowing full well that it would be used by someone like me against him. You know, it was like meant to, it has a little Easter egg in it. There's always a catch. It's like, whatever, I'm not going to get into it. It's like there are many examples. But I, I just never found in his arguments that little Easter egg or that little ticking time bomb. Yeah. But I wondered about him, why he could make the scene so so huge and nobody pushed back on him. Well, he's out. He's out now. So I don't know. I had but no this, idea it was that bad. It's quite bad. Yeah. And it was scandalous to start out with. So it actually took him out reputationally. But now it's like physically quite a problem. And I wanted to. He seems bring... like a nice guy. He does. He comes off as a nice guy, at least when I saw him. I, yes, I don't I, watch him all the time like some yeah. other people do. I'll watch a few of his videos, and somebody said, you want to come with me? I said, sure. And I thought it was – he thinks through his yeah. points. Like yeah. he stops himself, and he will think about stuff, which that in and of itself is a good sign. Is a, is a sign that the guy is actually thinking. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There you go. <laughs> that he's a, it's actually coming from him. Like I, I also – I mean I never smelled a rat in his demeanor, but – his message was too powerful and it wasn't although he could hit head on the pc stuff it he he didn't always have that underlying like i i try to listen to people like that and then they'll like use a racial epithet and you're like what the hell are you you know like what bloomberg yeah. was saying he was just saying a fact about how he as a pragmatist deploys the police now, you could say he's a racist and does it because he hates those people or he's misguided and he's a totalitarian and he just wants the pragmatic solution. I mean, you could think anything you want, but when you start having that conversation and people start throwing around racial epithets, you're like, oh, we can't have this right. conversation of what was really going on there. He never does that. And that was a tell for me that maybe he was for reals, but he was just too popular. So now he's taken out, but the, there's a word called an iatrogenic disorder, I-A-T-R-O-G-E-N-I-C, iatrogenic disorder, which you should know this word. It's, I'm not saying I expect you to know it. I just heard it for the first time like two days ago from a great book, Inventing the AIDS Virus. That's the story for another time. The iatrogenic disorder or disease is a disease caused by the treatment of a disease. So- medicine causes the problem. Yeah. And that is what's happening to Jordan Peterson. It's what my brother died of AZT poisoning, not AIDS. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When yeah. the medicine is the problem is what get, got you so sick. And that's a, that's a very common. There's a word for it. They downplay it. They don't talk about it, but that's what's happening to him. There's a word nobody can spell or remember for it. You right. Know? How about I something a simpler so we're more aware of it and we yeah, can be yeah. asked questions about it. Maybe I'll invent it. it. I-A-T-R-O. G E N I C iatrogenic disorder. I'll, yeah. I'll maybe I'll put it in my glossary and name it something we can remember. That makes me think of autoimmune disorders, where the where the body attacks a, something that's wrong, but it also attacks the body and does more harm. Yes, yes. This this often though, what happens with these iatrogenic disorders is like with AZT. AZT causes what are described as AIDS symptoms. 
So you start to, my brother had no symptoms at all. He was quote diagnosed with AIDS, but anyone with hepatitis or anything like that is going to be diagnosed with AIDS, even if they don't have it because it's a false positive. And then he started taking AZT and then lo and behold, developed all these AIDS symptoms. So they gave him more AZT. A lot, a lot of times iatrogenic disorders are conflated with the presenting disease so that they just get worse and worse and worse because they keep giving them the same treatment. Yeah. But anyway, it's something to remember because it happens more often than you think. Well, how about I give you my 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 sex doll story to go out on a little bit of a lighter note. <laughs> okay, sure. There is some controversy in Las Vegas between sex dolls and real prostitutes because there is a company called the it's a sex doll experience in a Las Vegas neighborhood and neighbors are not happy about it because they're saying it's basically a brothel and if you go to the company's website which they've changed it since this but it said stuff like come experience the you know and it gave the names of the dolls basically it was like reading the Westworld website you could come have this experience with three or four dolls it was totally advertising come bang all these sex dolls in this neighborhood right but they're sex dolls. So the neighbor, what can the neighborhood do? And so some real prostitutes came out and spoke up. One of them saying, while human prostitutes are mixed or mar- marred in legal and red tape, doll brothels don't have to worry about complying with any restrictive legislation. It's as if sex dolls and sex robots have more rights and freedom than actual human sex workers. <laughs> so sex workers' jobs are being taken away. Look for that. I defend the, the right of sex workers to work in their chosen profession as do i <laughs> you guys can find <laughs> your drive time news blast every week afternoon at 4 p.m on the propreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the propaganda report podcast feed we will talk to y'all tomorrow